This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to the beautiful, odd, and haunting world of prowess. A place where you can die and be reborn again. On this episode, we will see the light that shines the brightest when smothered. The sounds you are about to hear are lessons. So listen closely of a tale from a prowess. Charlie was never the type to get gifts for people he knew. He always preferred the idea of doing something rather than buying an overly expensive piece of clothing or an oversized dish set. But hey, this was the best part about the end of the world. No one expects a shit anymore. So that's why Charlie was questioning exactly why he was driving into the city alone at night. He wasn't stupid. He didn't think. If anything, he was smart. The night brings about low visibility, and most creatures that inhabit the middle wastes of America are pretty dormant at this time of year. The cold slows everything down, so at night, most things won't come and get you. Charlie sipped a beer in his Jeep as he drove down the road. (laughs) That's the other thing. No cops. So why was he doing this? For money? Glory? Recognition? Uh, He didn't know. Or really care. He just knew he had to do it. It was the right thing to do. Or so he thought. Charlie was out by himself tonight because the group couldn't risk having more than one body out tonight. They lost a few good people last month, and Roger got a piece of metal lodged in his knee, so he can't go out anymore. Charlie thought of the group, his group, and all they went through. It was a lot, but (laughs) it'll take more than 17 years of this shit to wear them down. Charlie made it to the outpost, still abandoned as usual. 
but a good place to park the car and look at the city. The outpost sat atop a hill overlooking the city. Charlie didn't know what the city was called, but it was big and there were somewhere in the Midwest of the United States, he thinks. Charlie trudged up the side of the crumbling building to look out at the city. It was dark. Charlie left early in the morning, but he could see some fires out there. People living in the old offices of corporate conglomerates. Good for them, Charlie thought. He just hoped he would never see those people. What he really came up here for was to see if his spot was still taken or not. Using his binoculars, Charlie looked to the left, a little down, to the left again, no right, too far. Ugh, where is it? Ah, there it was. His tent, with the green little marker he put there. No one messed it up. So, he was good to go. Charlie hopped off the building and began his trek into the city. By the time Charlie made it to the outskirts of the city, he could see the sun beginning to rise. The rays of gold shot through windows and crushed cars, bounced off puddles and poured life into almost extinct fauna that still used photosynthesis. Charlie knew the routes. It was quite common for him and a couple others to venture into the city successfully for basic supplies. One time they had to go on a rescue mission. That went poorly, though. Charlie used his hook to climb fences, vault walls, and open a service tunnel so that he could move without being seen. He loved that hook. Best thing he ever made. In the service tunnel, Charlie found a blockage. Some of the road collapsed, making it impossible to pass. That didn't deter him, though. He had to do this. No thinking. Just action. Charlie climbed the rubble and back on the street. The downtown area was filled with small shops and crushed street vendor stands. He definitely missed this. The city. He hated living in urban areas before nightfall, but now... It was ruined. Charlie realized that he would never be able to live in a world like this ever again. In a time where everywhere you looked, people were people. People that didn't want to kill you. People that were nice. People that were mean. A world of heroes and a world of villains. Charlie didn't like the world before nightfall, but who did? It wasn't until after the world melted into water that he realized that there was something worse than an evil world. A silent one. This was a tear in time, one that Charlie honestly had contempt for, but now immortalized and sealed with concrete. Charlie was almost there when he saw it, feasting on some sort of large plant that had grown out of the street. A stalker. Stalkers were common, as common as a house cat or dog. In fact, that's what most of them were. Domesticated pets transformed by the rain. They take different forms. Charlie had seen stalkers with six legs, split jaws, tentacles, a myriad of mutations, and even with his age, Charlie still was confident that he hasn't seen even an eighth of what was out there. This one was pretty normal. Around seven feet tall, with black fur that 
scratched and ripped apart. This one was skinny, and the whiskers came down to the massive paws with their claws securely put away. This was once a black house cat. Now its green eyes were black and yellow. And as it finally ripped the meaty plant in half, it pounced on top of a broken bakery with virtually no sound and vanished. Charlie was inside a jewelry store taking cover, trying not to be seen. The stalker didn't worry him. Unless threatened or hungry, they rarely ever attack people. But Charlie was always cautious. Better safe than sorry. Charlie stood back up and started breathing normally again. He turned around to head into the alley so that he can stay off the street. The jewelry store was nice. Really nice. But not like a department store, Hollywood, diamonds are a girl's best friend nice. More like mom and pop nice. You could tell the store was owned by people who cared about the craft. Even with the damaged walls, Charlie could see portraits of families. Generations of people who jeweled. A family dedicated to one focus. It impressed Charlie. He wanted that. He wanted to be a part of a group that was dedicated to creating something beautiful. The only thing he was good at was... Killing? Is that what his family would be? Generations of killers? Well, he would have to have a family first, and Charlie had no intention of making one anytime soon. Not in this world. The cases were empty, and all of the jewelry was gone. Years and years worth of jewelry. Charlie didn't even care about how much money it was. Fuck that. What really mattered was time. A lifetime of work was destroyed. Charlie was about to head out the back door when he saw one more. One more piece of jewelry that wasn't taken. It was bent a little, but shined more than anything. It was slightly wide for a ring, silver, with an obsidian strip in the middle. Charlie remembered that these were pretty expensive. He picked up the ring and put his eye up to the obsidian strip. Charlie was shocked. He saw space. Stars twinkling, galaxies spinning in the distance, suns dying and reforming. Infinite. He turned the ring, and staring at millions of stars somehow implanted in the ring, he thought it was beautiful. Should he take it? Was he ready? Was she ready? Would it be too early? Well, she could always say no. That wouldn't really bother him, right? It may make things a little awkward. This wasn't what he came here for, but... Charlie left the jewelry store, keeping a low profile still. He was almost there. He could see the building down the street. It had a faded yellow and red sign that just had one word printed as a child wrote, and watercolor. Toys. Charlie got to the front and looked inside. No threats. Charlie opened the glass door. Surprisingly, it wasn't smashed in. It was getting dark now. Charlie had to turn his flashlight on and look around to see if he can't find what he was looking for. 
Charlie thought about what happened if he died out here. Like this. Would Charlie be happy with that? Well, if he was being honest, Charlie thought he would have died at the ripe age of 20 with his lifestyle. Now, he was almost 60. Before nightfall, he guessed he thought his death would have been pretty boring. On a bed, surrounded by people that kinda cared, taken by an illness or cancer or something stupid like that. He didn't think cancer was stupid, but it was a boring way to go for sure. Charlie used to love video games. His sadistic ass would laugh every time someone died in a game. Well, most of the time, the audio never synced up and the body would flail around. Then the game would try to make you feel bad by playing tragic music, which would just make the irony of that so much better. Maybe it's not a horrible way to go. Destroyed by some monster. Maybe if someone watched his death, they would laugh. Well, I guess God is one sadistic motherfucker. On that thought, he saw it. What he had been looking for. A small puzzle box. It was wooden. And what had looked like runes carved into each side. They rotated, pushed in, pulled out. Apparently there were things there you can... discover? Charlie didn't know exactly what, but he hoped the kiddo would like it. The wooden puzzle box was trapped in something. It was fleshy and looked rotten. Charlie thought it was a creature until he realized it was a corpse. The corpse of a small child clutching the box. Charlie couldn't keep it in. Oh, man. Seeing death was never easy. Even now. There was ways to staunch the flow of guilt. But that type of bleeding never stopped. It was irrational. Charlie had nothing to do with the child, but he still felt in charge. Why was a 60-year-old cynic alive and not this child? Charlie in no way was a religious man, but he had to pray for something. Pray, ask, beg that the child was somewhere better now. After a breathless goodbye, Charlie picked up the puzzle box and headed to his tent on the roof. It was dark now. Again, it was darker than the morning, but with something precious in his backpack, the darkness seemed to be consuming, as if it was now coming for him. The happiness he hoped to give that child. And with that thought, he crawled into his sleeping bag and wondered if anyone would kill him in his sleep. In the morning, Charlie woke up to a growling, something he was somewhat prepared for. The stalker was back, but it wasn't close. It was far, he thought. Charlie opened the small tent and peeked over the side of the solar-paneled roof. On the street, he saw the stalker slowly making his way to a group of tents. How stupid were these people? Why the hell would they put themselves in that much danger? In the middle of the street? Unless... 
It was a trap. The stalker moved, and as soon as it hit the first tent, a woman unzipped the tent and walked out. Wait, what? It wasn't a trap? These people are just stupid. Charlie was angry at these people for how moronic they were. They deserve what's about to come. The woman turned, saw the beast, pulled out a pretty big gun, and shot the stalker. It was quick, though, and leaped out of the way and slid into a building waiting to pounce again. And now the dance begins. Charlie saw this fight play out too many times. Stalkers like guerrilla tactics. They were pretty big, but pretty scared. One good shot will send them running. The problem is landing a good shot. The problem is landing one good shot. Instead of using their muscles to power through a fight, most of them decide to use their power for agility, dodging shots and picking off people with their speed. The woman had long black hair and a braid and a dark green bomber jacket. She woke the rest of her group and they all were armed and ready to fight. The best way to fight a stalker is to stay in place and hope you see them coming. Running is always bad. So when one of them decided to run for cover, it did not end well. Ripped in half before he even took ten steps. And just like that, the creature was gone again. The group barely had any time to aim. They got a few shots off, but it wasn't even close. This was bad. They were barely prepared for this. Could he help them? Should he? I mean, normally he would just leave them. It wouldn't be worth it with the group, but by himself. But he was by himself. And it was the season of giving, right? But what would he do? He had a pistol and a small shotgun. There's no way he could hit a shot from here. He didn't have much in his bag. A flashlight could work, but it wasn't strong enough unless he could shine it through something. Focus it. There were beer bottles littered around here from the times he had to stay more than a week here. Charlie smashed the bottle, it was clear, and he used the flat end to shine it through the bottom. He had no clue if it would work, but he had to try it. Why was he doing this again? What was the point? Whatever. It's too late now. Charlie shot the flashlight through the glass and onto the street. The woman in the green bomber jacket looked at him, and smiled. Charlie searched the light for the stalker and after a couple seconds saw movement and blinded the creature. It shrieked and ran back into the rubble. Huh. I guess they don't like light. Good to know. The group took their opportunity and grabbed what they could and in five seconds ran off. Charlie was proud of himself. He was always used to just shooting things. But now he had a problem. The stalker is after him now. Charlie began to make his way down the fire escape and ran across the street into the flood of concrete. Charlie climbed up into a broken Chinese food restaurant. At that moment, a massive black shadow slammed into him and pinned his leg in place. Charlie felt the claws unsheath themselves into his skin and he cried out in pain. Charlie was on the cold floor now. This was pretty bad. But all he needed to do was get one good shot off. 
Charlie grabbed for his shotgun. At the same time, the stalker leaned forward and tried to get a good bite. Charlie moved his arm in between his head and the fangs. Pain ran through his arm. But at least now, he had it right where he wanted it. With one swift movement, Charlie swung his small shotgun barrel into the beast's side and fired. Immediately, the stalker let him go and leaped out of the building. That was a little too close for Charlie's liking. Before he could tend to his leg and arm, though, he had to make his way out of the building and farther away from the monster. Charlie was able to find a burned-down pizza place to take some refuge. It had been a while. It was already noon. And the more Charlie tended to his wounds, the more he realized he would need some better medical supplies. Some of the injectors stopped the bleeding and gave him some anti-nanobodies for infection. The wounds were deep enough that he definitely needed stitches and maybe a sling. He knew there was a hospital not far from here, but then that would mean Charlie would have to spend another night in the city. Charlie didn't want to do that, but he didn't have much choice. Charlie limped along to St. Augustine Hospital. Charlie was always scared of hospitals. Before nightfall, he felt as if he was... Charlie was always scared of hospitals. Before nightfall, he felt as if they were glorified graveyards. Cold, white, empty voids that would hold dead so no one else could have to see. Charlie still felt that way walking into the halls and finding what he needed. He ended up needing a sling, and after three painstaking hours of self-guided stitching his leg, he was finally ready to call it a night. He was so tired and it wasn't even dusk yet, but he needed the rest. He decided that the janitor's closet would work pretty well. It wasn't luxurious by any means, but it was good enough for a tired man. Charlie was about to close the door when he heard a thud on the door. Looking down at the handle, Charlie saw a gloved hand blocking the door from closing. Charlie knew what this was. He was kind of shocked that they didn't kill him. That must mean they are reasonable folk. Maybe. Charlie still held a firm grip onto the handle, but didn't make any sudden moves. A voice came from the other side. Put your stuff outside the... I know, I know. Just promise me this. Let me keep the small wooden box, alright? It's a gift. Charlie said. There was a moment of silence. Then... There are four of us and one of you. We're going to open the door and you're going to put down all your weapons. Fine, Charlie said. The door opened as Charlie put his weapons down. He saw the group, the same group as before, the one he saved, now robbing him. Figures. Charlie put his hand up, kicking everything over to them. As I said, you can have everything, just please let me keep the box. Charlie looked over at the woman who smiled at him before. She recognized him, thought for a moment, and looked through the bag. The man who was talking tossed the wooden box at Charlie's feet. It took a lot in Charlie not to yell at the fucker to be careful with it. There wasn't much in the bag, but enough to steal. 
The woman kept looking and eventually found the keys. She tossed them over at Charlie's feet. He furrowed his eyebrows as she said, Reward. Charlie almost laughed. The irony was so rich he could eat it with a spoon. I guess they had no need for a car. And with that, the man picked up the bag and the group ran off. Charlie was exhausted, but he still needed to sleep at least a little bit before he moved out to the night. He may not have any weapons, but he has the most important things with him at this moment. The car keys, the puzzle box, and the ring he had stashed in his pocket instead of putting in the bag. Good move. At night, Charlie began his trek back to his car. He wondered if anyone was worried, or if they were still thinking everything was okay. I mean, I guess everything is okay. Charlie didn't die, he got what he came here for, and that's it. Life can be pretty simple if you think about it simply. Charlie made it back to the woods, and walked further until he made it to the original outpost where he left his car. It was well past midnight at this point, and his arm hurt like a bitch, but it was over. He survived. Charlie made it back to his group. They were held up in a basement of an old sheet metal factory. They were all happy to see him, as always, and after a good night's rest, the group woke up to presents. Christmas Day. The whole group gathered around to exchange presents. They weren't much, but they all tried. Except one. A beautifully inscribed box that seemed like there was infinite combinations to open it. Everyone was so happy to see that eight-year-old John was happy with his new toy. The kid was so grateful, and it was amazing that his father, Matthew, got it for his son. Matt limped his way over using his cane and kneeled next to John. Do you like it? Matt said. Of course I do, Dad. Thank you. This is the best present ever. You really went back there for me? John looked at his father with insurmountable admiration. Yes, and I'd do it all again. John ran over to Charlie, who was drinking a much-needed rum and coke. Uncle Charlie, look! Isn't this cool? It sure is, kiddo. Charlie smiled and looked up at Matt. Matt had tears in his eyes. There were no words to thank Charlie, so all he did was a slight nod. Charlie's smile grew a bit as he raised his cup and took a healthy swig. At the end of the gift-giving, Clover stood up and said she had an announcement. After five years of going through the shit with you, I hope now that no matter what happens, I always want to be with you. I know we can't have a full ceremony, so I won't ask specifically, but will you be with me forever? Clover took out a dented ring and handed it to her boyfriend. He said yes, and everyone cheered. Well, that was fast, but hey, if Charlie can help with love, then I guess it's better than killing. After things died down a bit, Charlie took his drink and stood outside in the silence of the morning. Snow began to fall, and he thought of why he did this. Why really? 
Well, simply put, what else was there to live for? Moments are all they had left. Being with each other was the only reason to live. Who knew what tomorrow held? Was he just going to let it eat him up? Let time chew him up until one day he regretted everything? No. He couldn't let that happen. Not again. That was before. Charlie lives to help. Nourish. To live each moment truly like it was his last because it might be. He was getting older. And one day he will go. But Charlie would be damned if it didn't try to hold everything close to him as long as he could. Because they were family. And in this world, that is all that matters. And that will conclude tonight's episode of Tales from the Prowess. Thank you all, everyone, for listening. It means the world to us. We hope that this was entertaining for you, and that you might learn a thing or two from what we've said. This episode was narrated, written, produced, and edited by Philip Jones. Music composed by Abigail Hines. This episode goes out to all the unsung heroes out there. I know I have my own, my own Uncle Charlie, who this story is dedicated to. Happy holidays, everyone, and we will see you next week for a new episode of Tales from the Prowess.